Michelle Constant on SAFM. We are going to give it a one more shot to Lila Kanile, co-founder of Inkatuto Edu Propeller. We're hoping that it's all clear and loud. Tuli, are you okay? You're better on the line this time. I'm better on the line this time, I think. Ah, oh, <laughs> fantastic. So what I was just thinking about was this idea of all this data that you are collecting. And I mean, ultimately, research and data has to happen in the field. But you getting to do this with hundreds of kids every day to try and find out what works and what doesn't work. And I wonder if you could just go back to what you have discovered. You mentioned something about needing a first-generation graduate, needing internet. If you can just um, tease out those, those, those couple of things that you said you now know that they need. Yeah, so, so, so what we've been able to, to do, and you're quite, you're quite right, I mean, it's the, it's the application of, of knowledge, really, um, and, and the ability to test things out before they get to really formal institutions and to be able to, to identify sometimes problems that as universities or as academia and science councils and the people that are real generators of solutions or at least expected to be, we're never going to get access to, and which is really yeah. quite cool. Yeah. And indeed, it does allow us to generate quite a lot of data. Um, and at the beginning, what I was saying was, um, for us to be able to, success, to successfully achieve this, we, we said to ourselves, well, what does research, I mean, we went back to research, and we said, what does research say a 13, 15, 18-year-old gets in high school? What do they require to be able to, to succeed in STEM? Yeah. And one of the things, for example, was they need a first-generation um, person who's graduated at home and we know that for example a lot of the homes that we work with or the kids we work with have never seen or experienced someone who's a graduate or they need internet so we import all of that to make sure that we, we almost get to a point of um, equilibrium so to say these ideas that they're coming up with or these solutions that they're coming up with or this research that they're coming up with isn't hindered by the ability to have access to, to research learn. material, yeah. to actually learn. Yeah, so we have to import all of that. But the, 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 the research that comes out is quite fascinating um, because, for example, in 2017, one of the young kids in um, Leondale in the Kuruleni region of, yeah. uh, of Johannesburg um, said, well, he wants to create a hologram. <laughs> yeah, the education system and it was 2017 and he won that year and we thought oh well we're going to do this and we're going to do this we're going to do this and then COVID came <laughs> and we were like oh my word had we taken this research from the person that was on the ground saying I have this problem already without COVID we would have been able to generate and convert the data into something that's applicable and that's usable based on the user experience of these kids that we operate with before COVID arrived. So, so that's sort of like been the beauty of, of working with these uh, young people. So let's go to that, that needing a first-generation graduate. I mean, that is hugely challenging for us. So yes. Because, as you say, that could either be a sibling, it could ideally be a parent, and often if it is a parent, then none of these issues would, may come about. But in your case, it could also be a mentor or someone who is close to the child. I mean, if I'm a 13-year-old and I have an aunt or if I have a friend whose mother or whatever the case may be is a first-generation graduate, what do they offer me? What is it that, that I will get out of my conversations with them, my time with them? Um, look, I mean, I, I think perhaps, perhaps to move back a little bit and say that, that the way that we import the first generation yeah. uh, first is that uh, because we have 
work at science councils and academia and you know we're, we're yeah. fairly engaged in, in 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 the in the research movement so we've got about 500 i think now of masters and phds who come from township and rural communities that yeah. that really form a, a heterogeneous group and they sort of like are the mentors and the facilitators and um that that, that work with these kids and we very indirectly and through uh, the guise of this is research allow them <laughs> to expose themselves to these young people yeah. and they actually become most of the time when we speak to our kids and, and ask them why are you where you are today they will always tell us or oh, what value did you derive they'll always tell us you know Sifkani or Butbulelani or Butami yes. it's always that person and and, and really it, 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 we, we underestimate the the importance of uh, practically seeing someone and interact with, interacting with someone, yeah. not in a way that imposes yeah. that you should be a particular way. It's just so organic. They, they're talking about the program that they were watching during TV yesterday and to really um, relate on a personal level, you know, and you humanize the scientists and you humanize the technologists. And that's what really assists and pivots. Um, young people, which is what we feel, to become successful in the area. It's so, Tuli. I mean, it, it's so it's so potent. I mean, it actually, in many ways, it gives a whole different meaning to the idea of black tax as well. Because essentially, what starts to happen is that your job as someone who is a graduate becomes that I must. It may not be a financial thing, but I need to give the human resource to a youngster and they may not even be in my family to shift and change the way they think about the world and the way they think about science. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, um, and so it's funny because in, uh, interacting with the, the young professionals themselves that assist in the program, they yeah. realize just how much value they derive exactly. from working with these young people because to be quite honest, they are amazing and I think yeah. it's underestimated how amazing they are and how much we have to learn as adults from these young kids and that's what the value is for for the young professionals we work with it, it really is a cross-age um learning platform and ecosystem for tech and innovation and really um in, and really building both the, the young person because when we started we were saying we're building these young people to be leaders but what we're seeing now increasingly is that even the the the, the population of postgrads and, and and professionals that we have are beginning to be engaged in social issues as well and yeah. beginning to start their own companies and cross-collaborate, which has really been a phenomenal thing to watch by way of data and just observing as a researcher yeah. myself. So, um, you know, Tuli, I've always had, 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 I've always argued that um, STEM should not be sitting on its own, but it should be STEAM, as in science, technology, engineering, arts and maths. And the reason I do that is because I, I feel sometimes that there are kids who may be interested in science, but might actually find an easier way to get through to it through something creative like the arts, or who may not be interested in science, but actually wants to uh, use it as, as a way to engage with the humanities. Is this a journey that you think you could be going, or are you going to very firmly f use the framework of STEM? Oh, we've actually already um, um, implemented uh, the A, um, I think two, three years ago. Um, it's just that it's not it's not catching on um, um, it's not catching on very well uh, because these are being used interchangeably with STEM and and we actually in, in our organisation we call it STEMI we've put innovation yeah at the innovation end. is at the end yeah 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 so, so so and for us the arts is is really the the, the design the the, the 
the empathy, the, the, the social aspects of creating solutions. And for us, that's what we're focusing on. Um, and to say, and, and to be quite frank, I mean, I was talking to um, colleagues from the Department of Science, Arts and Culture the other day, and I was saying to them that um, we, we, can't, we can't have STEM without the arts. And we, 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 because the essence of creating a solution yeah. is embedded in self, in, in design and the arts, and being able to create a story and communicate with someone who has the problem. And in that way, you're creating a story, creating a narrative. There is no STEM without the arts. Yeah. At the beginning of it, in any case, is that you have to narrate a story. You have to be able to, to capture someone's imagination. You have to be able to um, speak in a way that engages the next person. And that in itself is an art. So by the time we get to the point where we're conducting the research and presenting the research and going to conferences, we're so far deep into the arts that it would be really, you almost want to ask yourself, why was the arts excluded in the first place? You know, so the very big element of design for us is, is a big thing. We, yeah. we use design thinking, particularly because for us, we're not, we're not limiting the experience of the research to concluding remarks and future perspectives. We're going into what happens now with this technology. What is the business case around it? Yeah. Who has this problem? Can you talk to this person? Can you build the prototype? You know, so for us, for, for us the design and the art is a very big component. So, Jalila, we're going to leave it there, but I want to say um, we, we are going to be talking to someone who tweeted something about why you should do a PhD. Uh, <laughs> does this mean that uh, your PhD is loading and loaded? <laughs> loading, hopefully loaded. <laughs> I laughed, actually, when you said that, because I thought, oh, my word, I'm trying to find this tweet, but it's so, it's, I'm so interested to find out what, what their perspective is on this, yeah, but my uh, PhD is loading. <laughs> and um, is it going to, is, is it going to be uh, linked to the work that you're doing at the Edu Propeller? You know, I wish it was. Um, I started my PhD um, um, before I started uh, the organization. I've been doing my PhD part-time for quite a while now. It's, it's, uh, and it's HIV vaccine development. I'm oh, actually wow. a molecular biologist, yeah. Ah, so we're going to see <laughs> what you do in the viral world as well. Yes. Jamila, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. I have no doubt you're going to be doing extraordinary work, whether it's with the Inkatuto Edu Propeller, which you are doing extraordinary work, but we look forward to seeing you become a doctor in molecular biology.